bless you that you are great. And we lift up the name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. And we say that you're greater than all of our tests. You're greater than all of our trouble. You're greater than all of our victories and all of our defeats. You're greater than them all. So today we stand to testify to the world that you are the only God, the exalted one, the El Elyon, the most high. And we give you praise and we give you glory today for not only what you have done, but what you're doing and what you're yet to do. God, we stand today and we say thank you. And we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor for all of the great things that you have done. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give him praise here this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. God. He is a faithful God. The Bible said he keeps his covenant to a thousand generations. It isn't just that he keeps his promise to us, but he keeps his promise to those that are yet to come. We're thankful for that today. you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. I know you know all there is to know about Hebrews 11. So why should we even talk about it? But how many know that his word is inexhaustible? There may just be something said today that'll be helpful or beneficial to you. There's two types of words that is difficult which to preach one of them being when nobody is really familiar with the text and you have to lay an extended foundation to be able to even speak on the text and sometimes it becomes cumbersome and difficult for people to stay focused that long the other that is even more difficult is whenever it is a very familiar scripture and every one of us assume that we know everything about it. Amen. But his word is great. Amen. I love the word of God. I said, I love the word of God. Amen. I love his word. Here in Hebrews chapter 11, there is a lot of messages that are preached on the first part of the chapter. Uh, because it is very exciting, it's very uplifting, it's very encouraging. <clears throat> and uh, But somehow or another, it seems like that the messages that are preached on Hebrews 11 stop at verse 34. Because... That's where the shouting stops. 
But when is somebody going to talk about the rest of the chapter? That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the, like Paul Harvey said, the rest of the story. Amen. And it's not that it is discouraging. It's not that it isn't exciting, the second part of the chapter. It is the fact that it deals with where we live most of the time. And, you know, um, people can talk about whenever somebody has a great victory, but when is somebody going to talk about what we do when the victory doesn't come? When, are, when is it we going to talk about when you prayed and nothing happened? There are times in our life when we have to just sing the old song that O.R.W. Shambach sang, Hallelujah, anyhow. <laughs> Never let your trouble get you down. When life's problems come your way, hold your head up high and say, Hallelujah. Anyhow, let's look at verse 35 this morning, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 for your consideration. The Bible, this is where it begins to end and it says that women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scornings and yes, of chains and imprisonment. That gets you excited. And they were stoned and they were sawn in two, were tempted and were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world has not was not worthy. They wandered in the desert and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these uh, have obtained a good testimony of through faith, did not receive the promise. And God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And then it goes on into chapter 12, and it says, Therefore, In other words, also, we also, and so we're connected to this, amen? So we're connected to this. According to the scripture, we're connected to this. Therefore, we also, since we have, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily snares us, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, let you become, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. <clears throat> this word here, hostility, is translated contradiction. So I want to talk to you this morning about living through contradiction. Have you ever had a time in your life whenever 
your life didn't look nothing like your promise. Your life didn't look anything like the word of God. It, it said to be joyful and, and all you could find is sorrow. It said to rejoice and you said there isn't much to rejoice about. It, it says that we're to be ahead and above and not beneath. We're to be the head and not the tail and, and you feel like the tail. Because of all that is going on, I heard a statement that when I first heard it, I I didn't know if I believed it or not, but it said this, life will never give you what you deserve. It will only give you what you take or demand. Life will not give you what you deserve. It will only give you what you take or you demand. If you don't think that it's possible for you, then it won't be possible. Because every promise has a challenge. We have been taught in the church that if it's God's will, then it will happen. But how many know that as I told you the other day that that whenever God even gives you a prophetic word, it is a prophetic promise. It It is prophetic potential. That, will, that there is potential in your future. It isn't something that necessarily automatically takes a place, but the prophetic word is a prophetic potential of what your future will look like. But also there, on the other side of that is that you have to do something to obtain the promise. You have to do something. You have to, it, whenever you read the word of God in its entirety, the, this goes like this. If you will do this then I am going to do this if you will give I will rebuke the devourer for your sake huh if you if you if you will do these things then this is what you can expect me to do this is what I will do if you don't think that <coughs> that yours it is yours to possess then you will never Take up that test that will come into your life. You will say, well, it it wasn't for me. It isn't my miracle. But you see, everyone wants miracles, but no one wants impossibilities. Everyone wants victories, but no one wants obstacles. But the reality of it is, is if we want a miracle, then there must be an impossibility. Because if, if it isn't impossible, then it requires no miracle. If there is no obstacles, then there is no victory. We often have many times sweet beginnings, promises, prophetic word given over our lives. And many times we hear those words that God has given us and and, and we realize that, yes, this is what God wants. But we don't want to go through what it takes to get what God desires for us to have. You see, we, what we want is we want it to, to just simply rise up. It, we want it to just appear. But the reality of it is, is we have to live this thing out. And many times in our lives, we find ourselves in what you would call the messy middle. And we're trying to figure out because we've left the place that God has set for us to leave, but we haven't got to where God has called us to. And we are in the messy middle trying to figure out.
and nothing still is not changing. When you have prayed your prayer, when you have released your faith, when you have believed with everything that was in you and you've done all that you know to do and it's still not happening. Am I talking to anybody today? The reality of it is, is whenever we are walking this faith walk, there are times in our life when we have done all that we know to do. And it seems like that you have nothing to be thankful for. You still walk in his house and you still raise your hands as you have done here this morning. And you declare from your heart, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Why? Because I may be in a faith fight right now. I may be in the messy middle, but it doesn't matter about the circumstances that are going on or not going on in my life. God is still the author and the finisher of my faith. And so therefore, I will continue to bless his holy name. Give him some praise right here today. Habakkuk said it like this, when there is no figs on the tree and no grapes in the, or, or grass in the field and no grapes on the vine and no cattle in the stall, yet I will bless the Lord. I will because he is the lifter of my countenance. There was a time when I had God all figured out. I knew how God was going to do it. And then somewhere along the way, God jumped out of my box. Amen. And then I began to wonder, where are you? I knew you was going to do it this way because you've done it this way before. I, I had you figure it out. I knew that if I prayed, I, I knew if I fasted for three days. Huh? I knew that if I did a thing that you would respond in such a manner because you've done it for me before but then he got up out of my box I fasted for three days I read his word I, I prayed and, and gave time to, and I did all that I knew to do and, and yet he didn't show up just when you say this is how he's going to do it he does it another way amen Oh, yeah. <laughs> or else, in other words, he does it another way, or maybe he doesn't even do it at all. Is this too real for you? We're stuck in the messy middle, having to walk it out by our faith. We have a culture that loves instant gratification, instant success. We crave gratification and we don't want to wait on anything. Amen. I, I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I will not go through a drive through and wait five minutes. There's a reason they call it fast food. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I will drive across the road and go to another place. I won't, you know, we don't even want to get, go into the gas station to pay for our gas. Amen. I have been known to drive to another gas station instead of walking in. 
because you know you got that little machine there that's what that machine is for we're all we want it fast and in a hurry and we think we try to put God in that same box where we microwave everything but how many know that there's been promises of God that didn't happen for 300 years there's promises of God that didn't happen for 40 years there's promises of God that didn't happen for seven years huh and there's then there's promises of God that happened overnight but you can't tell God how he's going to do a thing you he just promises he's going to do it but the time schedule is his amen can we be real here have you ever thought where did God go I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not out sinning. I'm not out running around being crazy. I'm still in his word. I'm still praying. I'm still going to the house of the Lord. I'm still being faithful to the things of God. But where did God go? For honest people. Let me just put it in a corporate so you don't feel so challenged this morning. On Sunday morning, we have a tremendous move of God. It feels as though that a breakthrough is going to happen any moment. Amen. The power of God is flowing and we're on the verge of a breakthrough. And next Sunday, we break down. And he can't be found. There is no powerful there is no anointing there is no flow of god it's everything's a struggle everything is working have you ever been there when you thought this is my time this is my moment the breakthrough is coming this is this is it and suddenly god disappears that's what happened to job in job 23 verse number eight he said i looked forward and i didn't see him he said i looked backward and i could not perceive him he said he was at work, he, he works on the left hand and I cannot behold him. He turns to the right and he cannot see him, but he knows the way that I take and when he has tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Job said, I looked ahead in my life when God disappeared. Huh? I looked ahead and I didn't see anywhere that he, a trace of where he was at in my future. I looked behind me and I couldn't perceive him. I, I couldn't see where he was behind me. I looked to my right side. He, I couldn't see him there. He said he was, he was at work on my left hand, but I perceived him not. We all know that the right hand is the right hand of power. Amen. The Bible said that Jesus sits on the right hand of God. He is the, it represents power. It represents authority. When the man went to the temple, Peter and John went to the temple, the Bible said he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Right hand represents power. It represents authority. And when you're in the right hand of God, everybody knows it. That's when you're blessed, when you're highly favored, when people can look at your life and say, my, 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 your God is good to you. When they can see that everything that is going on. But let me tell you, there are some times in our life when God will put us in his left hand. 
and in his left hand it isn't he is at work and he is doing just as much in his left hand as he is in his right hand but people can't see it people look and even we look at it and we say where are you at and what are you doing and how come you're not showing up but it is in those times that God is working behind the scenes it it is in that contradiction of our life it's a place of contradiction where that God says one thing and it looks like something else is going on it's that season when he's taking all things and he's working them together for our good it is in those times whenever we can't see how he is doing a thing that is making us better but he is taking it all and he's working it and behind the scenes he's preparing our future he's bringing our promise to pass he is doing that which he said he would do but we don't see it and neither does anybody else (coughs) it's in those times that people look at our life and say where's the God that you said was so good It's even in those times of our life when we look at ourselves and say, where are you at? And why aren't you doing something? And that's where Job was. He was in the left hand of God, but he he could not perceive it. There are times when God is, is difficult to understand. But when I cannot see him or perceive him, He's still there. You see, adversary is the incubator for greatness. And whenever you're going through adverse times, understand that God is just taking you through the incubator because it's in that incubator of adversity that he begins to develop your character. He develops who you are on the inside. Amen. He puts great, he always puts greatness in before his name goes on. And many times we make the mistake of judging ourselves and others by the situation that we are in. But how often have we looked at someone in the middle of the struggle and said, they just don't have enough faith. They don't, they, they're not believing God. They're, they're not, they just don't have it, Right? How often have we looked at someone else and we've said that? How many times have we lived in self, in our own life, where that we have, have uh, looked at ourselves and said, we just can't do it. We don't have what it takes. We don't have enough faith. We don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. We don't have enough anointing. Amen. And we struggle in the middle of our life because we have listened to the lies of the enemy. We're not on the right side of God, but we're still in his hand. And so we must... We, we, we think because all of these things are going wrong or nothing is going right, then we must have done something wrong. All of this must be because we haven't made the right choice or we haven't done the right thing. And so we judge ourselves according to the situation that we're in instead of judging ourselves according to the word of God. Amen. Amen. But let me just give you a few instances here this morning. If you are fine, ever if you're in that place or you find yourself in that place, 
Let me just say that you're in good company. Because Moses didn't look like a deliverer when he was out there shoveling sheep dung on the backside of the desert. But he was exactly what God called him. He was a deliverer. Come on, somebody. Amen. He was living in contradiction. I wonder what song Joseph was singing the day his brother stole his coat. Threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. I wonder what he was thinking when he went into Egypt in chains to be a slave. I wonder if he he still was dreaming about the stars bowing down to him. I wonder if he was still thinking about it whenever all of these, he was thrown into a pit. Was he still thinking that his mommy and daddy was going to bow down one day? I wonder what he was thinking when Miss Potiphar lied on him and said that, that he had raped her. And I can hear him say, lady, I ain't here for your hips and your lips. I'm after the favor of God. And I'm not going to compromise for you. But listen to me. He kept his morality, but he lost his job. And we've been taught you do the right thing and it'll all work out good, but that's a lie. Everything doesn't always work out just because you did the right thing. The devil will get the messing in your mind and he'll start working in your mind and in your heart. But let me tell you, just because it didn't work out, just because you did the right thing and you lost your job doesn't mean that you quit doing the right thing. Because we keep on fighting the good fight of faith. We keep on doing what God has put in our heart to do. And God will, he will do the work in our lives. We've developed in our religious mindset that good people always win. (laughs) I wish that were true. I mean, I could preach something else if this is too tight for you. Amen. But you can do the right thing and still lose. Then if that wasn't bad enough that, you know, good people always win. Yeah. Baloney. Then someone made up this. statement the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will don't that sound spiritual but the truth is the most dangerous place to be (laughs) is in the middle of God's will because when you put your life totally in the hands of God There are times when you don't understand anything that's going on because he's working on the left side and the arrows and the fiery darts of the wicked are being shot at you on a continual perpetual basis in your life to try to take you out. 
And so I submit to you today, you can take it for what it's worth, but I submit to you today that the most dangerous place to be is doing the perfect will of God for your life. Because the adversary will come. The the enemy will try to take you out. David said his brothers were were, uh, soldiers while, you know, David was keeping sheep. But he was anointed to be a king. He was living in a contradiction. Can you imagine whenever the king came, the man of God came over and anointed David to be king? And the anointing of the Lord came upon his life for that position. And when all of the ceremony was gone, when all the hoopla was over, his daddy said, now get back here and take care of them sheep. Amen. You can be anointed. You can be called. Amen. And the anointing of God placed on your life for a work, for a deed, for a mission. Amen. And even live in the middle of contradiction. But there, it, because you're going through things. I can see David going through his mind confused saying, what just happened? I thought I heard the man of God say I was to be the next king. I thought that anointing, all of that oil he poured over my head and it flowed over my body. I thought that was all about me going to the throne and and, and daddy sending me back to, to the sheep. You see, I tell you that God can speak to you in your life. He can speak to you, amen, in a season of your life. And everything that's going on around you contradicts what God has spoken to you. Why is that? Because your spirit is always further down the road than your flesh is. Amen. And so he speaks to us today about tomorrow. God, when God comes to talk to you, he never comes to talk to you about your past. He never comes to talk to you about what's going on right. He talks to you about the future because God is always calling us ahead. He is always calling us forward. And so what he is speaking to us, it may look foolish. He tells us to start a business and we haven't got two dimes in the bank. He calls us and says, I want you to preach the gospel. And you're so backward and shy, you won't even stand up and talk to nobody. It doesn't make no sense at all. But he's not calling you for where you are. He's speaking to you about your future, about your destiny. And it may be a contradiction right now, but God is going to reveal himself in your life. Amen. You can't tell what is in you by what is around you. Some look at their home life and they say, this isn't never going to work. Some look at their kids and say they'll never be saved. But it's not about what is going on right now. It's about what he has purpose for you. You've looked inside of a person to see what they really are. Because you're further down the road in your spirit than you are in your flesh. Listen to me. You're greater on the inside than you are on the outside. Let me say that again. You're greater on the inside than you are on the outside. 
say, well, pastor, do you have any word for that? I'm glad you asked. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The greater one lives on the inside of your life. God is putting his mark on your life. You just are living through contradiction right now. This is a place where God, where character and motivation is being determined. What's your character? What's your motivation? This is a place where pride and selfish ambition is broken off. Amen. And you begin to take into account why I'm doing what I'm doing, what, what is my motives, what is my character, and pride has to be broken. This is what I heard. If you take the blame for what you attempt for God and it fails, it is a sure sign had it succeeded, you would have taken the credit for it. let that sink in take that home with you think about it this is a place of contradiction when it looks like what I'm attempting to do is never going to work and my faith of risk taking the cave has fallen in on top of me and nothing is going to be made of this Can anybody relate? How do you spell faith anyhow? R-I-S-K. That's what faith is. It's taking a risk. It's taking a chance. You hear a word, but you don't have any guarantee that what you're going to do is going to work. Because if you was guaranteed it was going to work, then you wouldn't need any faith. Huh? But when you step out on a word, right? It isn't just something crazy that we do, but we step out on that word that we feel in our hearts that God has given us, but yet we don't have any proof that it's going to work. We just believe God. Amen. Because listen to me. I know his word is yes and amen. His word is true. It's tested and it's tried. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. But between every promise and its fulfillment, there is a place called the fight of faith. You're going to have to fight your way through a thing that's going to take every ounce of your faith to get you to where God said you could go. Amen. Now, I know this isn't popular for TV, but this will help you if you'll take it. Amen. After the thrill and the emotion has left you, after the shout is gone, the lights are turned off, and you go home and go back to your real world after hearing the word of the Lord over your life, you must get up 
and say, I believe the report of the Lord. I know what it looks like. I know that everything around me says it can't happen, but I choose to believe the report of the Lord because God's promised to move, amen, and he's going to move. The timing is just unknown. So what I have to do is be faithful in my faith fight. And I have to be faithful in the messy middle and continue to do what I know is right to do. And in his time and in his season, God is going to work his work and his promise will be fulfilled in my life. Here in chapter 11, the writer is telling all the victories. He talks about all the successes. He talks about the, 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 the man of God slaying a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. He talks about all of the great things that has happened through history. And then in verse 35, he said, these two died in the faith. That was rejoicing. But let me tell you, those had looked like success, but these two died in the faith. They didn't receive the promise, but they were faithful. And he said, there's a great cloud of witnesses. There's more than just one or two. There's a great cloud of witnesses. It is, it is when you read it and you study that cloud, it suggests that it's like a cloudy day when everywhere you look, as far as you can look, there is a cloud. That's what he's talking about, that there's a great cloud of witnesses. A witness is not, some, is, is not someone that is a spectator. We have talked about this as a, a, a football stadium where, you know, and I've heard it preached and I may have done it myself. I, I, if I have, I can't remember, but maybe I have. But in, anyways, he talks about it being like a football stadium and all of these spectators are there, 80,000 people that desperately need exercise and 11 men on the field that ne- desperately need rest. And we are spectating or watching the 11 men while we are looking on. But this is not what a witness is. A witness is not a spectator. A witness is someone who can give testimony from their personal experience. What he's telling us is there's a whole bunch of people that have been where you are. The enemy wants to make us believe we're the only ones that have ever gone through this. That if God loved us, we wouldn't have to endure such adversity, such hurt, such pain, such disappointment. But the reality of it is, he he said, I know there's people going to come after this. And you need to know there's a whole cloud of people that can stand and witness to the fact that God has been faithful to them in the same place that you are today. Amen. And they stood to their feet as witnesses that if God brought them out then he can bring you out too glory to God I want to tell you today that he said that and I believe it today that there's a cloud 
cloud of witnesses, but I also believe that in our churches there are people that can stand and testify and say, God did it for me, he can do it for you. Amen. If God touched my life, he can touch your life. If God delivered me, he can deliver you. If God gave me joy back, he can give you joy back. If God gave me peace of mind, he can give you peace of mind. If he took the spirit of fear and gave me the spirit of peace, he can do the same thing for you. We got to rise up and join the cloud of witnesses and say greater is he that is in us than the world that has come against us. See, some of us have given our whole destiny into the opinions of other people and the expectations of other people. But listen to me and hear me good. If that person is not connected to your destiny, it doesn't matter what they think. The opinions of people and the expectations of men are mere nothing. That doesn't mean we run our own show and we do our own thing and we rebel your spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people put expectations on you that have nothing to do with your destiny, listen not to them. Because that is not what God has called you to do. Amen. And I'm not here to compete against you. You're not my competition. Joshua is not my competition. I'm here to cross the finish line. I'm here to complete what Brian Matthews has been created to do. And so... The expectations of people, it takes a while, but if you walk with the Lord long enough, it, 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 you can, those things will break off of you and you will be free to be you. Because I, I read a, a statement a friend of mine made yesterday, God can't anoint a fake you. All he can anoint is the real you. And as long as we're trying to be somebody else, God can't anoint us. You've heard me say it before. All God wants is you full of the Holy Ghost. And if you will be you full of the Holy Spirit, the power of God will be upon your life and you will do what no one else can do. Amen. But you see, religion has a way of, religion has a way of making it and creating it as competition and comparison. Churches compare themselves to others. How you doing? Well, I'm doing good. I've got more people than the one down the road. Yeah. We, we, we've got more than they do, so we're doing good. Well, the question is, is what happens whenever they got more than you do? Are you now doing bad? Are you still doing what God's called you to do or just because somebody else? Listen to me. That is the stupidest thing because everyone, nobody's going to have more people than young Joe. 800 million members. What you going to do with all them people? (laughs) Amen. 800 million. What are you going to do with those kind of them people? 
But you see, we put all these false expectations and we allow people to pile them on and then we begin to compete with one another. And we even begin to compare ourselves with others. I'm better than them because I'm further down the road than they are. Right? And then we become proud and we become church police. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're letting on today, but it's all right. They're not doing right. I'm doing better than they are. Look at them, devil. And we begin to look at all these other people instead of looking at ourselves. Amen. And it's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. But can I talk about the other side of it for a moment? The other side is we look at someone else and we say, I can never do that. We give up because we feel insecure and inferior. We say, oh, I can never lead worship like Melissa does. No, you can't because you're not Melissa. But if God has called you to lead worship, you can do it like God called you to do it. Amen. I could never do this. I never could do that. But how many people have stopped running the race because they felt inferior and dropped out of the race? Those that once were going after God, doing the best that they knew to do, and then they felt insecure or inferior and they dropped out of the race because they felt like they weren't good enough. Didn't feel like they could accomplish a thing. Didn't feel like that, that they was close enough to God or that God loved them like God loved somebody else. That's a lie. God said he put in these earthen vessels a great treasure. In each and every one of us, we just have to be ourselves. Amen. And that's who we're going after, those who've dropped out of the race. I mean, no, there's some good folks that have dropped out of the race. Amen. They've got disoriented and, and there's a, you know, whatever it, the problem is, whatever the issue was, whatever took place in their life or in the church or whatever it was, they've dropped out of the race. And we need to be that cloud of witnesses today to encourage them to get back in the race again. To get back in the fight again, to encourage them that, that the best is not behind them, but in fact it is yet ahead of them. Amen. How do we keep running the race? How do we keep from getting distracted and discouraged and inferior in the times of the race? We need to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Looking to the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Can you think about the contradiction of Jesus' life? <laughs> a king? Really? The son of God? Really? You're going to build a kingdom? Are you? You're going to make a new way 
in the earth for living. And then he goes and dies. Genesis chapter 24, I'm going to be done here in a minute. Genesis 24 and verse 60. This is the day of Rebekah's wedding. Her brothers gather around her to speak blessing over her. And in verse 60, it said, they blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Wow. Rebecca's brothers, this word bless here means to empower. They were speaking blessing or empowering her for a thing to be successful in her life. And the blessing that comes out of their mouth over her is Rebecca. You're going to be the mother of thousands of ten thousands. That's great. But the greater one is said, your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. That is more powerful. That is awesome. Rebecca now was given this promise of expansion, of prosperity, of a mother of thousands, of ten thousands. The only problem is... She's barren. Can you imagine with me the frustration, the contradiction? The word comes to her, you're going to be a mother of thousands. Your descendants are going to possess the gates of those who hate them. And month after month, she is reminded... that this isn't happening. Months turns into years. She becomes disappointed with the promise and every passing day she is reminded that this is just not going to work. In Genesis chapter 25 and verse 21, said now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebecca his wife conceived month after month year after year goes by and the promise doesn't come to pass Her husband begins to plea on her behalf, praying to God, asking God, let this promise come to pass. There are many that today, like Rebecca, I don't know, I just have a vivid imagination, but I believe the pain that was inside of her the frustration, the contradiction that she was living through in the messy middle 
having a promise from God and yet not seeing it fulfilled. But I don't know, I don't know. But I can just imagine that she learned how to put a smile on her face anyways. She came to church on Sunday and shook other people's hands and told them how beautiful they looked, how wonderful the blessed they were. And they looked at her too. And they seen her gorgeous smile and seemingly she had it all together on the outside, but on the inside, she was full of disappointment. She was full of contradictions. She was full of questions unanswered because of the things that she expected seemingly would never show up. Sound familiar to anybody today? Some of you today have stopped using your faith because you don't want to dream again. You don't want to believe again. The word of the Lord has been rich over your life, but the contradiction has just become too much. The season of going through the fight of the messy middle has has worn you down and discouraged you and disappointment has found its way into your heart. You don't want to dream. You don't want to believe. You don't want to... And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because you don't want to be disappointed again. Can you imagine the contradiction of Jesus' life? The disciples have left their business behind. They've left their livelihood. They've left everything they know behind to follow this one Jesus because he said he was going to build a kingdom. He said he was the son of God. And now they're pulling him in two and they're putting nails in his hands and they're piercing his side and they're beating him with the cat of nine tails and they're pulling the beard from his face. You really going to build a kingdom? You really the son of God? We've given all to follow you. And now you're just a mere man hanging on a cross. What are we going to do? I thought I would be healed by now. I thought my family would be saved by now. I thought things would turn around for me by now. And I still find myself in this contradiction. The Bible said Isaac prayed and the Lord heard him. I 
come to talk to somebody today, maybe not everybody, but I believe if I sense the Spirit of God correctly, there's several here today that are living in a contradiction. out that frustration time, that messy middle. But be like Isaac. Don't give in. Don't quit running. Don't quit fighting. Be like Isaac. Isaac prayed and the Lord heard him. I believe the Lord's going to hear some folks here today. I believe the Lord is going to answer some people here today you're in the midst of your contradiction but God's going to speak to you today maybe it's been days weeks months maybe it's been a year maybe you are like I have been sometimes or Job has been sometimes where are you at God what's going on seems like I'm doing my part but you aren't showing up how many know just as quickly as God seems to move, he can return? It's not that he's left our life. It's just that we can't experience his presence. We don't, we don't know where he's at. But I promise you, he has never left you. I said, I promise he has never left you. Because he has promised in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you to the ends of the earth. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you're one today that needs to return to the Father and just call on his name. Say, God, here I am and I need your help. Maybe you love the Father with all of your heart, but today you just want to fall into his arms and say, God, I know you love me. I know your word over my life, but this contradiction, this messy middle, whatever you want to call it, I need you to help me. I need you to move in my life. I need you to give me direction in the middle of what is going on today. Will you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you for your presence today. I feel it very strong in this moment. I believe it's for people that have may have become distorted, confused, frustrated, disappointed, distracted in the middle of their mess on the way to what you have called them to do. I pray today, Father God, that you would touch each and every heart and every life that is here. Whoever you've sent me to today, let there be freedom and liberty to respond to this word today that our lives will be forever changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Give somebody strength today. Turn somebody's sorrow into joy today. Cause somebody's frustration to turn into faith today. Let them be empowered to walk through the messy middle and go to the place that you have ordained for their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. As Melissa sings today, if this word is for you, if the word of the Lord has touched your heart, I want you to come find your place to pray at this altar today. Let the spirit of the Father touch your heart and touch your life this morning. Come on.